0: take a seat. Go ahead and take a seat, church. Ooh, you could hey, take a break from padding. You almost had me crying, Anna. Give it up for Anna, y'all. Anna serves us on the worship team. Hey, uh, by show of hands, who here has heard often the phrase, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not perfect. Okay. Okay. So honestly, we all know that's a normal thing that people say, and it's a natural response when we do not wanna take accountability for our actions. Now this one you don't have to raise your hand for, but I'm sure you've also observed that when people have issues with one another, you'll see that they do their best to avoid one another, whether it's in your family dynamics, maybe it's you or with friends. And honestly, that's the natural response of when we sin against one another or when someone sins against us. It's to pull away and it's to hide You see, those two natural responses of blame shifting and of hiding, those two things are devastating to our relationship with God and others. It is wreaking havoc, even in this room, for us who respond after we sin in hiding and with blame shifting. In today's text, we're going to cover the first human responses, and we saw it in the text hiding. And blame shifting and my burden is this i'll give it to you out front it's for us to walk out of here unchained by those burdens anymore for us to experience that freedom the freedom of always feeling like we have to hide after we sin and always feeling like we always have to pull away or point the finger elsewhere may that happen in jesus name i'm excited to get in a text you guys ready? All right, let's go. Verse eight, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, turn me down please, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? We see chronicled here is the first human response after sinning, and it is to hide. We don't have to look elsewhere other than just our own children, or remember when we were children, from the earliest stages, no one had to teach us to go and hide when we were in trouble. We just knew it. It is a natural response. And don't you just enjoy the truths of God that you can read of and be like, yep, mm-hmm, I know this was written thousands of years ago, but I still do that. And you got to start asking the question, why church is a natural response for us to hide after we sin? Let's look. Verse 10. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden so I hid. Why? I was afraid because I was naked. They disobeyed God, and they lost their innocence. And when they lost their innocence, they ended up feeling something they had never felt before, and that was embarrassment because of their nakedness. But there's something going on even deeper, church, with this couple Adam and Eve. You see, they knew that they could trust God. There was actually no reason for them not to trust God. And so in their reaction of being embarrassed, it's because they felt the embarrassment and the foolishness of disobeying God and now experiencing the consequences. I'll say it in these terms. The real reason they hid was because they were ashamed. Shame. Before I trusted Jesus with my life, It came naturally to me. Whether I was planning to sin or I had just sinned, I would pull away from my parents. Then I got born again 15 years ago. And I realized that that was one of the most difficult habits to kick, was to come out of my hiding place after I had sinned. And for the last 15 years, it's just been a constant battle. When I sin, what will I do? Because here's the reality. When I sin, a lot of times I'm tempted to hide. How does that look like? I'm tempted to pull away from prayer. I'm tempted to pull away from opening my Bible. I am tempted especially to pull away from other born-again Christians. And I am, in essence, intimidated and ashamed so much that I'm pulling away from God. And it's because of shame. Shame and embarrassment that I don't wanna be confronted with something that makes me uncomfortable, it's just easier just to hide. Church, we have a choice every time that we sin of whether we're going to hide or whether we're not going to hide. And just as parents see their kids hiding from them as silly, because they can see them, so too does God see our hiding from him as silly, why? Because he sees everything. If you're from the hood, that's everything, he sees it all. Proverbs 15, the Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. There's many of us hiding. And I would say that even if I wasn't in this church, if I was among other assemblies of God right now in this moment, there are many of us hiding. Hiding behind facades because it's easier to hide behind something than to come out and, and do the uncomfortable thing, which is spend time with God while we have a major block of sin right in front of us. We haven't intimately talked with God this week. We haven't connected with him in months. And my guess is this. For some of us, we're hiding because we have not brought our sin to God, confessed it, and turned from it. It's just easier to hide Behind unhealthy relationships, behind entertainment, behind busyness, behind work. It's easier to hide behind our image, our good deeds, and even church attendance. It's easier to do those things than to actually come to God in an uncomfortable way, confess our sins, and turn from them. Some of us walk in here today or have been for weeks just putting on a smile faking the funk when we know that it is not well as we sung earlier with our soul and don't get me wrong i'm not pushing anyone away from coming to on sundays what i am saying is i'm glad you're here and i want to ask you do you have conversations with god intimately outside of sundays Do you put the same type of effort to putting on your Sunday best, coming here, sitting down in some mildly uncomfortable chairs, and then driving back home, do you put that type of effort into you communing with God vertically one-on-one? You see, our God wants friendship with us, and that gets totally thwarted when we hide from Him, when we evade or think we try to evade His presence This morning, child of God, it is time for you to come out of hiding. To come out of the darkness and into the light. Why? He sees everything. Every single thing. Today, would it be the day that you come out of darkness and into the loving embrace church of our Father? Matthew 11, Jesus' own words, he says this. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I, meaning Jesus, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because why Jesus is humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's not some fun moniker we just say as Christians and sayings. It comes from the Word of God. Come to Him, child of God, who's been harboring bitterness who's been looking at pornography, who's been separating themselves from God, come to him. Do you know what he is at heart? He's gentle and lowly. He's not harsh, not even one bit. I know the enemy has been feeding you some lies this week. This is truth session. And the reality is, is that Jesus is beckoning your call right now, with arms wide open to minister to those who are hurting with gentleness and lowliness. Do you know what he sees you as? He's not the parent who's seen you as scraped up because that's how he sees us right now when we're hiding. We're scraped up. We've fallen. We've messed up. He's not the parent that comes over and says, are you serious, clumsy old Roy? When will you get this down? How many times do I have to teach you? Not the posture of God. The posture of God in humility to say, let me help you. I already indwell you. Take advantage of me and yours companionship. Let me heal you. Let me help you get up. He will build us back up, church. He will fulfill our needs, and he will fulfill everything, every promise that he's made in the past subjectively to us, and even more so in his written word. To deny this invitation, church, would be to waste and I mean it, no one likes wasting time. It would be to waste our time on this earth. It would be to waste our time in the dominion of darkness. You see, Jesus bought us continual, church, say continual with me, continual. Continual freedom in the light. Purchased it for us and it comes down to this, continual confession and continual turning. Continual confession and continual turning continual, I have sinned against you, God, and now I am consciously turning away from it. It is sinning and then saying to the Father, Father, I confess my sin against you and you primarily. It has caused distance between me and you, Father. And I renounce the turning. I renounce the sin I've been involved with, the sin of control, the sin of lust, the sin of perversion, the sin of fill in your struggle and God I rebuke the enemy and his influence in my life and I choose by volition of my will to follow you once again church that's what it looks like to stay consecrated and clean in Christ and it's not just for service it's for enjoying his presence as a born-again child of his He already sees us, church. Let's come into the light. Let's look at the second response, church, that we'll end up seeing from the humans first sinning. What will they do next? And this is a reminder, y'all, that this next response, just like the first, is a poison to the well of our relationship with God and others. Let's get into it. Verse 10, he replied, meaning Adam, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And the Lord God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, here's what we'll talk about. It was the woman you gave me who gave me that fruit, and I ate it. The second response to sin that we see ever recorded and chronicled in history, in scripture, is blame-shifting. It is the natural response of pointing the finger instead of the thumb. Woo! The finger instead of the thumb. And it's a fascinating text if you look at it. This week, looking at it, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like eight-ish verses behind in the previous chapter, this same first man was waxing lyrical about how beautiful his bride was, how good God was as, as for making him a helper suitable for him. And then once crap hits the fan, Blame shift. No, 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 no. It was the woman you made me. I I mean, like, I don't know if it recorded here, but I wonder if God's like rolling his eyes like, oh, Lord, there's going to be a lot of this for future generations. And check it out. The first man is a master of rationalization, just like we all are, because of fallen condition. He ends up pointing the finger at God, right? He says, not just her. Oh, by the way, you gave her to me. Not just pointing it at another person, but pointing it at God. And it's not just a gender sex thing. It's both sexes. It's both genders. Look with me in the text. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? She replies, the serpent. The serpent serpent deceived me. That's why I ate. The woman doesn't accept responsibility for her actions either. She ends up pointing her finger at the serpent, which is the enemy, the adversary, Satan, the devil, and the demonic. And she says, no, 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 it wasn't me. They influenced me. It was actually them. Notice, the man blames another person. The man blames God. And then the woman blames the demonic. And don't get me wrong. The demonic and other people do influence us into sinning into missing the mark of God's morally perfect law. But guess what? We're responsible because we exercise our will. It is us who God looks at for our sins and who to, who to actually be accountable for those. It's us because we exercise our will. Church, we've done all three of those things. Some of us are habitual uh, fan favorites of saying, oh, it's the demonic. It wasn't me. It was demon- Some of us are fan favorites of being like, no, it's that other person. That wasn't me. It was the other person. And some of us are fans of pointing the finger and just saying, you know what? It was you, God. It was you. And I know no one wants to really admit that. No one really consciously says it was you, God. But unconsciously, does that, is that not what we're tempted to do? To point the finger at God as well. Look with me. Where we get to take responsibility from, meaning the desires of our flesh. James 4, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of others, what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't even get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what is best for you. The old sin nature that we all have is selfish. And when it goes unchecked, it will give birth to pride. Pride is an is a exaggeration, an inflated view of ourselves. And when selfishness does not get checked, we get an exaggerated view of ourselves. And here's the caution, church. Pride will make God our opponent. Pride will make God our opponent. Look with me, James 4, continuing on. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God, the creator of the unseen and seen realms. God. God who went to the cross for the salvation of many. God, the one who sent out his spirit and indwells some of us in this room right now. God who resurrected himself by the power of Christ. He will oppose us in our pride. And I know it is like a strong term. What, God opposing us? I thought it's Emmanuel, God with us, God for We sing all those songs. But in the text here, when we when we are so stone-hearted and stubborn and don't handle sin that the Holy Spirit makes us aware of, God will oppose us. And it's this weird paradox, right? Because it looks like God withholding his hand of blessing from your life, which we all love to enjoy. But in the same breath, he's the one who wants you and is empowering you and enabling you to repent. He is for us, even in his opposition, is my point. And I don't know about you, but life is already challenging enough. The last thing I would want is the God of the universe opposing me. Right. Amen? Amen? It's just a losing proposition. Men, you are responsible for every decision you make. No excuses. You are responsible for sacrificially leading your family. You're responsible for teaching, instructing, and disciplining your children. No excuses. You are a shepherd of your household and you have the honor of being a priest of your household and you have the responsibility to pray over your household. No excuses. Women, you are responsible for every decision that you make, every one of them. No excuses. You are responsible if you are married to submit to your husband's leadership as so long as he is not leading you into sin, to allow him to lead you. No excuses. These things God has revealed in the word of God. Church, could you imagine, imagine how much our lives and our households would flourish if we stopped pointing the finger and we started pointing the thumb. Could you imagine how countercultural of a witness that would be? You look local, state, and federal government. All you gotta do is just point your finger over your thumb like once in a blue moon, and it'll be attractive to those who don't know Jesus because it's so countercultural. It's a beautiful thing when the people of God take accountability for their choices. Let's be a church that honors God in that way. And for everyone, we're responsible. This is key for our relationships with God. If it stinks, it's because of us. If it's mundane, it's because of us. God desires friendship. He will do everything in his power to get our attention. Will we walk willingly and in obedience? Or will we have to go through a lot of correction? We're responsible for confessing sin, keeping short accounts between us, God, and others. We're responsible for forgiving one another. We're responsible for submitting to the word of God, the local authorities, the authorities at work, church authority. We are responsible for obeying the word of God as so long as others do not cause us and lead us into sin. That's how God sees us and the decisions that we make, and what we're accountable for. Every time, church, that we choose to sin, there's a second choice after that. Where do you put the blame? Will it be pointing the finger? Or will it be looking in the mirror and saying, God, my desires are off. My wanter is off. I am so far from hitting the mark right now. I learned this the hard way. This is a story as few as weeks back, hanging out with friends, and we were talking parenting. And one of my friends started to tell me how to parent. And I put up a wall, and I pushed back on him, and I criticized him. I said, you're a know-it-all. I didn't solicit any advice from you. And by the way, I agreed with everything he was saying. But he came at me. So I responded in my flesh, and oh, oh, it felt so good. It felt so good. But immediately after, I felt grief in my soul. And it was the grief of the Holy Spirit. And so what did I do? I did what any Christian would do. I looked to the person next to me, and I said, dude, I wasn't harsh on him, right? I was trying to blame shift. I knew the guy right next to me Literally was giving me amens as I was giving it to my other friend. And I knew to look to him, he was going to be on my side and be like, dude, he deserved it. So that's how I blame shifted. I looked for affirmation. I got it. I got exactly what I needed, which was, dude, good job. Way to stand up for you and your family. And I blame shifted. I did this. And here was the, I signed my... The hard thing was in doing that, I hate to confess it, I didn't even think of it after. It wasn't until two days after where the Holy Spirit brought it up in my heart again. And he told me that I was wrong in confronting him in that way. And so I confessed my sin against God and being a poor representation of him to my surrounding friends. And then I went to my friend and I asked him for forgiveness and the beauty in it all, although I blame shifted, but actually coming to God after, and responding in confession of sin and repentance was, when I said those words of apology to him, oh, the burden I didn't even know I was carrying just fell off. I just felt lighter when I apologized. Church, I am not special. You can ask my bride that. I am no one special, but here's what I am willing to do. I'm willing to humiliate myself to be right with God and with others. I'm willing to not have the last word. I am willing to be obedient to Christ. My question is for us, are we willing? Hiding from God, blaming others will rob us of what we were made for the most and that is close fellowship with him. Are we willing? to come out of hiding this morning? Are we willing to accept responsibility for our sin and turn from it? Are we willing? The Holy Spirit has been speaking to us this morning. And I think it's a time for action now. Let's pray. Jesus, sanctify your church this morning get all that you purchased us for that we would walk in continual freedom bring us out of hiding and bring us to the mirror this morning in Jesus name Amen